I'm Zach Schaefer, and this is Let's Hug It Out, a podcast where a guest and I delve into the deepest, darkest depths of our failing mental health. We're pulling out all the stops and talking about what keeps us up at night and how to keep your mind off the painful thoughts that make you want to end it all. This is the podcast for the person who can't muster the courage to get out of bed in the morning, the person who gets unreasonably anxious when they need to make a phone call, the person who thinks that they are dying when a minor medical ailment arises. The one thing that we all want in this world is to know that we are not alone. And this podcast is there for people who have no one. So all you depressives, neurotics, and anxiety-filled waste of space that need something to do on a Saturday night because, again, you are alone, this is the podcast for you. If you're actually struggling, please seek the help that you deserve. Please know that the bad thoughts that you are having are not true and that people care. So without further ado, take your meds and enjoy this podcast. Hey everyone, how are you today? In this episode, I sit down with my friend Jacob. Jacob was actually the guest on the very first episode of Let's Hug It Out, but since then, he has come out as transgender. So in this episode, we had a very interesting discussion about gender dysphoria, and I learned a lot with this one. I hope you Thank you for listening to Let's Hug It Out. My name is Zach Schaefer, and I am sitting here today with a very good friend of mine, Mr. Jake Ashley. That's me. That's you. So, you've been on the show before, and we talked about your struggles with depression, OCD, anxiety. But today, I'd like to go a little bit deeper than that. What, like, what really gets into the core of what's going up in your fucked up little head, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds great? All right. So, I'd like to start every episode just by asking people how they've been feeling lately. So, this previous past few days, what's your mental state been like? Uh, it's been a little chaotic. I'm kind of buried in a pile of work right now as far as schoolwork goes. And right now it just kind of feels like everything is just piled up and ready for me to do. But I'll sit at the computer to do it. And then I just stare at the computer and then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So just kind of emotionally clogged up, I guess. Yeah. It's a good metaphor for it. Just... Well, today, we're going to get the plunger on those emotions. Ooh. <laughs> I love that. You're going to plunge those emotions. So when you're working, is it is it more of an anxious feeling? Is it a depressive feeling that's preventing you from doing this? Because I know for me, it's like almost a combination of the two. I get anxious about the work that I need to do. And then if I'm not doing it, I get depressed. And I think that I'm just like a failure of a human being. What's like that? What's your take on that? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I I have really I have a similar experience with it for sure. I think for me, it's really hard. Like I'll I'll it's really hard for me to get to doing it because I'm depressed, and then I get anxious because I'm not doing it, and then I get depressed because I'm not doing it, and it just becomes sort of a a really vicious cycle. And it's once I get into the groove of doing my work once i sit down and i start doing my work i'm good i'm good i can do it it's just getting there and getting myself to actually sit down and be like hey you can do this Mm -hmm. this is something you're capable of you've done it before it's gonna feel amazing once you're done with it but it's so hard to convince myself to actually start doing it Mm -hmm. that it's it's congesting yeah, it's the deadlines that get to me, especially when we're coming up on the finals this time of year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's every week you have something that's due, and I have, you know, four or five classes. I need to do 
all these different things. I need to schedule time for classes. I need to, you know, come into the studio and do that. I need to, this is part of my final assignment, right? I've been stressing about this for weeks now. But um, when you don't have those moments when you're, you know, level-headed, when your mind is clear that you're in the right headspace to actually put all of yourself into the thing that you're doing, it's really hard if you can't, you know, align that with the deadlines, right? Mm -hmm. That's always been my issue with it, so. In addition to your depression, anxiety, you have OCD. Now, I want to know how that manifests itself. So I think a big misconception that happens with people with OCD is that we're all clean freaks and we like everything organized and we just can't move on from something if it's not like perfectly aligned. Uh, Some people have some of those tics. Uh, For me, it started when I was a teenager with uh, everything having to be at sevens. Mm-hmm. Everything had to be like in a in a count of seven. I had to count to seven before I did things. I had to do things seven times. Um, that's kind of how I notice it. And then from there, it became just generally obsessing over pretty much anything. Uh, I'll get I'll get obsessed like it's in the name obsessive. Uh, I'll get mm-hmm. obsessed over specific things a lot. Like my my life often goes into like phases of very intense things um sometimes it'll be relationships sometimes it'll be hobbies sometimes it'll be a tv show or just a general habit of doing something uh it gets very obsessive it gets uh where my entire life revolves around it um and that's 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 painful because sometimes that means completely isolating myself from everything else in my life mm-hmm. And that can damage relationships and can damage my work life, can damage my schoolwork. So these obsessions can become toxic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you, what do you do to what do you do to remove yourself from those toxic obsessions? The best thing that works for me is just a structure, a structured life. Like I I think that one thing that's it's really hard for me with college is the fact that you go to class, you learn something, and then you go and do homework. Mm-hmm. Homework is not my 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 jam. Like I know everybody hates homework, but I mm-hmm. am the kind of person who just immediately turns off when I'm out of like an office or a school, like a schoolroom setting. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm in a, I would much rather I would give anything. I would give anything to trade being in a class for three hours than going and doing homework for three hours to just be in the class for six hours or Mm. five hours or however long it's going to take me to do the work. I'd much rather be right there and just do it the whole time. That's why I'm looking ready. I'm ready for a job. (laughs) Like, that's the thing. It's like, that's how jobs are structured. That's how I prefer my life structured. I definitely agree with you there that doing work at home is not something that... I can, like, it's not, I don't know if tolerate is the right word, but something that it's kind of being at home is not conducive to productivity for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So especially, yeah, like you said, with homework, when you're not, you know, in the classroom, when you're not, you know, actively thinking about the work that you're doing, like you wake up in the morning and you're in your bed, you know, it's you maybe wake up at noon, you get, it's the weekend, right? You have work to do, but you're not in the correct, like, you know, thought process. You're not having the thoughts that you need to be having in order to, you know, make the product that you need to meet the end goal that you need, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's 
it's something that takes a lot to get around. Like, I one thing that helps me a lot is if I leave my apartment and go to a coffee shop and just do all of my work at a coffee shop, or I try to stay on campus and do everything at the library or do everything at the student center. Like, just getting myself into whatever artificial office space that I can make in my life and doing my work there. And then another thing that helps is just generally having, trying to have the same consistent schedule and doing, like, not the same things every week, but at least having everything scheduled out so I know what I'm doing in a week and Mm -hmm. can, like, emotionally prepare myself for it. Right, right. Yeah. Is there anything that you do for self-care for your depression? Um... Number one part of self-care is if you're on medications, actually take them. That's mm-hmm. something that I can sometimes have an issue with. I get really depressed and I get out of habit of everything and I just stay in bed all day or like I don't eat. Like I have to I have to take my medications on a full stomach or else I get sick. And then that's like an excuse like, oh, I haven't eaten, so I'm not going to take my medications. Um, I think that's just like the number one thing is everything in life will go better that if you're properly taking the medications you're supposed to be taking if you have been prescribed them Mm -hmm. um, and you know that they work. Uh, For me, I've done DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, which is basically you learn this large skill set of how to do everyday interactions and how to handle your emotions and cope with them. Um, so I have like this general list of things that work and things that don't work. Uh, so I like try to refer to that when I'm in situations, I just do things. If I'm, if I'm depressed, I try to do things that I know spark joy. We love Marie Kondo. (laughs) Um, I, I like to, if I can get myself to do it, clean my apartment because that makes Mm -hmm. me feel a million times better if my space is clean. That's definitely something I do too. Is like, you know, clean, tidy up, just do like the basics to like, it's another thing with like the productivity, right? It's like you're getting these tasks done and you're like activating those synapses that you need to activate in order to, you know, not be just like lying on the couch and yeah. just binging YouTube videos for hours, which is I have a habit of doing. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. YouTube YouTube is this pit because it's yes. so non-committal. Mm-hmm. Because you're watching something and it's short, so it's one and done. Yeah, it's so passive. Oh, it's dangerous. It's, it's nice. It's even it's more dangerous, I feel like, than binge watching Netflix. Because with Netflix, at least you're like getting into a series and yeah. you know you kind of know what you're getting into, so it's easier to resist. But with YouTube videos, you get into a hole and it's just bad. You yeah. think you think, oh, oh, I just have like ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, there's another one. Well, I have to know about this. Right. And you see, there's something recommended. And wait, I've never, I've never seen that Ask Reddit thread before. This looks really interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna click on that. Right, right. Or, oh, I'll just have this on in the background while I'm doing work. But then you sit there and you watch it anyway. Mm-hmm. YouTube's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, it's, it's a drug in its own way. Mm. So you've gone to therapy. The what'd you call it? The DBT. Dialectical behavioral therapy? That's one of the types of therapy I've done. That was a group. Um, But I've Mm -hmm. also done one-on-one therapy uh, off and on since I was about 13. What's Uh, that like? Because I've actually never gone to therapy myself. I imagine it would be very scary. That's a big reason why I haven't gone because... Not to say that I'm scared, but, like, there's a definite thing like, oh, you have to go see an adult that you don't know and talk about these very personal feelings, right? Right. There's an expectation of you to open up, and it's it's a hard boundary to break. Um, it's 
it's difficult, but I think the thing that makes it harder is that nine times out of ten, your first therapist is not going to be the therapist. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the therapist. I went through, I think, three before I found my therapist, and then I moved, and then I couldn't have her anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's it's definitely scary, and I think it's it's hard to to be able to like sit there and open up and if you're like someone like me who's like always thinking about like money it's <laughs> i that's another thing that yeah is, no therapy's like prohibitively expensive it's prohibitively expensive yeah like that's why i'm not going now but also when i am going and if i'm paying out of pocket uh which i have to because i currently don't have insurance it's i'm gonna obsess over well how much is this a minute am i being proactive and then it's just making it so much worse because I'm sitting there obsessing over how much this is costing mm-hmm. instead of actually being productive. Right. Right. It's not fun. No. Couldn't imagine it would be. But, um... Yeah. So, you're also transgender, which is another, like, little subsect of society. Does that affect your, like, mental health in any way? Is that... Do you feel excluded from certain things? And does that make you feel any certain way? Or what's that like? Yeah, for sure. Um, On top of just general dysphoria, which is, uh, to give like a a brief synopsis, gender dysphoria is just the feeling of not particularly being in the wrong body, but just that like what you have in your head is you and what you're seeing is just like not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. There's like a mental disconnect from my entire body. So that can be mentally taxing. Um, with that, there's also just generally people misgendering me every day, which is like hard. Um, it's knowing that people, because I am i don't fully pass. So knowing people look at me and probably assume that I'm a woman um, that's something I love to obsess over, which is great. Mm. Um, and then there's also just like every single time I go to the bathroom, unless it's like somewhere here, like Columbia, where I know it's never going to be an issue. Right. Um, but if I'm like at a McDonald's or I'm at a Jewel Osco, like I just, I, I usually don't think about it until I'm right in front of the bathroom doors and then I panic because... Mm. I know I'm probably going to be looked at no matter which one I go into and it's it's painful and then I usually just end up holding it and which is physically painful. Yeah, no, that can't be very good. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's definitely something that adds to it. I think I think since coming out and figuring out a lot of the gender stuff, it's generally improved in a lot of places because I feel a lot less of a disconnect from me from my body from who I am because I'm figuring it out and I know the direction that I want to go in Mm -hmm. but there's still the disconnect because I still don't look like what I want to look like and I won't for a while wow okay now does your dysphoria does that relate to just solely your body image or is it also a mental thing uh it's definitely a little bit of both um some people have it some people don't for me my dysphoria is mainly about what i don't have as far as like 
I mean, if we're going to be, like, detailed here. You can use the doctor words here. Yeah, like, as far as, like, genitalia goes, like, I'm not upset with what I have. I'm upset with what I don't have. Um, As far as my chest, I want it to be concave. I want it mm-hmm. to be flat as possible, which I don't have at the moment. Um, but that's easily done. I can I can get that done in a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to wait for the money for that. Right, right. But um, another part of my dysphoria is, is like, my voice. Uh, it's not as deep as I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll deepen with time with testosterone, but that takes a while. It's got a crack first, which is exciting. Ooh, I go through puberty. When you're like 13. Uh-huh. Wow, that's not something I ever realized. Yo, yeah, it's I like, go through puberty. You go through, I'm going puberty, through puberty like right now. Again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something. Yeah, I'm going I'm going through puberty right now, which is a lot. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Basically. Like... I haven't quite gotten to that part yet, but I will soon. And it's uh kind of terrifying, but I love it. That's um, gonna be wild. Yeah, it means I'm getting acne again, um, hair oh. in new places, mm-hmm. sex drive is different. Um, everything's yeah, everything's a little different. It's it's weird. Everybody has different things. Some people get bigger feet when they start testosterone. Hmm. Uh some people some people's sexualities completely shift. Do you get taller? I wish. I really, really wish I got taller. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I wish nope. I got taller too. Damn, I'm fucking 5'6". <laughs> yep, 5'4 forever. Damn. Um, maybe if my posture got a little bit better, I could get up to 5'5". Five five, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> Just thick shoes. That's why I wear boots all the time. You know, I know a lot of guys who wear platforms and um, or put like insoles in their shoes to make them look a little taller, which mm. I get. Height isn't a huge dysphoria thing for me, but it is for some guys for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I've had a lot of short men in my life, so it's been okay to cope with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, there's another like there's other aspects of it, like um, like toxic masculinity. It's yeah. it's really interesting coming from uh, being raised a- a- as a female, being having a feminine background, and coming into this world of of very toxic masculinity. I don't know that there's another word for it. It's it's yeah. really different, and it shapes your perspective, especially growing up, of what a man's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that, like, I personally waver from doing that any any cisgender man w- shouldn't have a problem with but for the fact that i could be perceived as feminine and automatically that genders me as a woman mm-hmm. that i just stay away from i do you get harassed at all do you have like men that don't see you as a legitimate man and they treat you as such um i haven't had much harassment based around my my gender identity um yet <laughs> that mm. that could definitely change um i will say that since coding myself less femininely as i walk at least being more generally androgynous with the way that i look that i get harassed less than i did when i presented as female which mm-hmm. is not something i expected uh, like catcalled, you mean? Stuff yeah, like, that. like I don't get catcalled. I don't get sexually harassed in any way in the streets mm-hmm. anymore because even if they don't see me as a man, they definitely don't see me as a woman, and that's all I could ask for. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Does the anxiety factor into the dysphoria at all? It can, for sure. I can, a lot of times, like going to the bathroom thing, I just kind of, I often will have full anxiety attacks about having to pee, mm-hmm. which is troublesome <laughs> um 
a lot of times when I'm shopping for clothes, uh, it's like getting into pants, getting pants to fit my feminine hips is hard and stressful and just there's I have had I have had an anxiety attack about everything to do with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there if there is any stress related to it, it causes anxiety for sure. Great. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. How does depression like just affect your body image of yourself? Mm. It it used to be a lot worse. I think it was a lot worse before I figured out, oh, I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like before it was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why don't I recognize myself when I look in the mirror? Why isn't anything right? And why can't I make anything right? Uh, now it's kind of like, okay, I know what direction I'm going. I know what I want to look like. I know how to achieve what I want to look like. I know how to match what's going on in my head with what's going on in my body. I, it's just going to take a while. And that's frustrating, yeah. but I know that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I know that my body's going to figure it out, how it's supposed to look. I know it'll happen in time with hormones, with therapy. It'll happen. And I just kind of have to let it happen. And I think this, being content is a very important thing yeah. when you have any sort of mental illness. Absolutely. Not to say that transgender is a mental illness, but just really anything. You have to accept yourself for who you are and what you have, but you also know how have to know how to deal with that, right? Absolutely. So yeah. do you go to therapy for uh, gender dysphoria? I don't. Uh, like I said before, like right now I can't really afford therapy, but I do have a couple of support groups. Um, there's one specifically transmasculine uh, group that I go to every couple of weeks. Uh, we just hang out and talk about gender-related things, sometimes non-gender-related things, and we're all AFAB, assigned female at birth, transmasculine or non-binary people, and so we're all going through something very similar. And it's really nice to be able to know that there's not only other people, but other people like near you in your same age range and your neighborhood that know exactly what you're going through and can often give advice for that. And like sometimes even if you're new to it, but you figured out one little trick, you can give advice for it. It's it's really good, I think, even if you can't get real mental health support because we live in America and that's really hard to get. Um, to surround yourself by people who know what you're going through and understand it and can support you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm glad you're finding a place where you can be open and comfortable with yourself. And I think you got a really good thing going. So do you want to hug it out? I do want to hug All it All right. Out. Come here. Aww. All right. Hugs make for great audio. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> All right. If you like this show and would like to see more, check out Let's Hug It Out on Instagram at Let's Hug It Out Podcast. I give you special behind-the-scenes looks on every upcoming episode of Let's Hug It Out. <laughs>